1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we'll also be in Romans chapter 8. All right. One more prayer. Will you say this prayer as you're looking up 1 Corinthians 2, Romans 8? Would you say this with me, Father God? I ask you to give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. Amen. Now, last week was Pentecost Sunday. As you can tell, we still left all the doves out because we want to keep them up and keep it in the front of our mind. The next few weeks when I speak, I'm going to speak about the Holy Spirit. I, I think it's something that we talk about in generic terms. But over the next few weeks and, and however long this takes to the Lord says stop, we're going, to, we're going to preach on who the Holy Spirit is. He, is. he is a person, someone who wants to have a deep, intimate relationship with us. And so last Sunday, we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, how many are happy that Pentecost Sunday happened 2,000 years ago and, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 and then now we've been given access. Every one of us who calls on God can have a piece of the original flame of the Holy Spirit. Come on, yeah? And so that's what we celebrated last week. And we started at maybe a strange place when we usually teach on the Holy Spirit. But I felt that we should start at the lowest common denominator, the most important spot was why did Jesus tell his disciples, I have to leave so that he can come? Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. Would you say the spirit of adoption? Now, he has a lot of titles. He's the spirit of holiness, the spirit of creativity. He's the one who convicts us, the one who walks beside us. He's all these things. But he came specifically for one big purpose. And that was to reveal that we are sons and daughters of God, the way Jesus was a son of God. We're not equal to Jesus, but we have been pulled into his kingdom and been made brothers and sisters and sons and daughters through his blood, through his resurrection, and then by him leaving so the Holy Spirit could come. And so when Jesus was baptized, get the picture, all right? He's going to be baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And what happened? The skies opened up, a voice cries out, and a dove comes and sits down upon Jesus. Just like this, over all of your heads. And as that dove descended upon Jesus to show that God's spirit and his presence was with him, the voice said what? This is, you know what? My beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And from that point on, Jesus lived his life from a place of security in his father's love. There was no need for performance. There was no need to earn daddy's affection. Daddy said, you've got my love and affection. Now go change the world. Jesus is baptized. He's got this confidence and boldness that, look, not only do I know that I'm with the father, but now the Holy Spirit has been a visible sign and a voice has shown all these people that I'm in my father and my father's in me. And then in Matthew chapter 4, it says, And Jesus, being led by the Spirit, went into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. After Jesus defeats the enemy with the word of God, he begins his public ministry of miracles, signs, and wonders. Why? The Bible says in Acts that how Jesus of Nazareth went around healing all who were sick because God was with him. So Jesus did all these things that he did not because he felt like he needed to earn his father's affection, not because he felt guilty and had to do these things or obligated. He did them because he was a son 
who was in right relationship with his father. And as a son in right relationship with his father, which is called righteousness, the son of righteousness. As a son of righteousness, he demonstrated for us what our life could be like when the Holy Spirit sits upon our shoulder. So when we're saved, when we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life, we begin a relationship with Holy Spirit. That's the first encounter, right? Okay, it's just intro. That's the first encounter. You have now entered into a conversation for the rest of your life with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. You are in relationship with Him, right? That's salvation. But there's a second baptism. The first one is a baptism of water. And the second is a baptism of the Spirit. Fire. He says, unless you're baptized of water and of the Spirit, you cannot have the kingdom. So we're baptized in water and we begin this relationship with Holy Spirit as our teacher, as our guide. As when Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, but he will come to you. This is what he was talking about. So Holy Spirit comes into our heart and begins a conversation. But there's a second encounter with Holy Spirit that we must have. He's in us for us. That's the first one. But he's upon us for others. Jesus already had a relationship with Holy Spirit. Before he was baptized, he already, it was good. The Holy Spirit was in Jesus and Jesus was in him for his benefit. But there was another baptism that would launch him into a ministry where he destroyed the works of Satan from a place of sonship that all of us have now been given an invitation into simply by believing that he's the son of God and just asking for him. So the first encounter, salvation, the second is a baptism of the Spirit. And that's what we need, that second baptism. Yes. Come on. Yeah. The reason we need it is not to be weaponized. But to learn that we're loved as sons and daughters. Because when, when we as believers, as the church, are sons and daughters, we will treat the world completely differently. Then orphans treat the world. So Holy Spirit cleans all this up immediately. And he says, I'm the spirit of adoption. And when I enter into a relationship with you and rest upon you, I will cry out from the deepest place inside of you. What are those words? Abba, Father. So not only is he Jesus's father, but now your spirit. Come on, you know your spirit, soul and body, right? Now your spirit that used to be at enmity with God or in, in, at odds with God or at war with God is now crying out to God, Daddy. I'm on your team. You're on my team. We're in this together. That does something to our mentality when we believe that. It flips everything on its head. It changes the way we hear things. It changes the way we see things. And it changes the way we give things away. So we need both baptisms in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yes. We need that spirit of adoption. <clears throat> How many of you would agree with this statement? The church has hurt a lot of people. Do you agree with that statement? Is it a true statement? Yes. Why has the church hurt a lot of people? Because the church has come under the influence of an orphan spirit. Instead of sons and daughters. The church has come under the influence of an orphan spirit. A competitive spirit. 
a jealous spirit. I want their gift spirit. I don't like those people's spirit instead of sons and daughters. See, when you're a son or a daughter, you're in the family. You don't have to meet any criteria to be a son or daughter. You were born into the family. Criteria met. So when the church gets under the influence of these, he's in me for me. Oh, I need the Holy Spirit for me. I, I don't pray in tongues just so people can hear me pray in tongues. It's for me. It builds up my inner man, my spirit. When I'm praying in tongues, I'm saying things that I can't even think of. But his spirit is praying through me things I really need. The way I, the way I look at it is I say these prayers and God's like, oh, that's so cute. That's a cute prayer. And the Holy Spirit comes along and goes, this is what he really means, God. <laughs> so God goes, okay, I, I can get along with that. We need him to be in us for us. But unless he's upon us in power, unless he's upon us in power, it has no benefit to the world. We cannot do church without Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it, you, there are case examples all over for years of church, churches, ministry, trying to do ministry without Holy Spirit. It can't be done. It's impossible. You okay? Yeah. So we have to have him upon us for other people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, we'll start here. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. Paul, speaking to the church in Corinthians, in Corinth, said, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In other words, he's saying, I didn't come with you with some new philosophies. I only wanted to come to you and preach that Jesus is the Son of God. He was crucified and he was resurrected. End of story. That's the gospel. That's the power. That's all I need to know. Right? He said, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much fear and trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. Thank God. You know what I I tell my brother-in-law all the time? I love preaching. I've been preaching almost my whole life, right? I love it. And I love the fact that I can't do it. I'm no good at it. It's, they're not my words. This isn't it. It's not. I don't have persuasive words. If I don't say what he's saying, it doesn't do anything. And Paul even said the same thing. Paul was a wise man. He was brilliant. He was probably one of the greatest minds of, of the time. He sat under some of the greatest teachers there were. So he could come with persuasive words. He could come with arguments. And he could talk people into things if he wanted to. But he says, I chose not to do that because I wanted, I wanted to come to you not with persuasive words of wisdom, but I wanted to come to you with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. So that your faith would not rest on wisdom, but on the power of God. We need the purity that comes from He's in me for me. It it releases purity in us. And we need the power. He's on me for others. See, if the gospel does not have a powerful demonstration, then it's just words. 
Come on, listen to me today. I'm, I'm talking to the fire life. I'm talking to the church today. Unless his word is confirmed with signs and wonders, then what are we even talking for? We have to see a demonstration of the power of God. It must follow our lives. He said these signs will follow those who believe. I don't determine the signs, but there should be signs following me. And, and I, I, I told someone, I left last week and I was just like grieved in my spirit. Because I was like, God, we just talked about the Holy Spirit. And I see in my head what I long for. And I see where we're at as a church. And it's not in my head where we're at yet. I want to see a demonstration of your power. I have to see a demonstration of your power. Not to validate me. Not to validate what we say, but to declare as a public declaration that God is alive and he cares about what we do every day. See, if there's no display of God's power, then the people that say the miracles stopped with the apostles, then they're right. If there's no demonstration of power in our lives and purity in our lives, then when people say, well, the signs and wonders are only for a certain group of people, then those people are right. We must see the power of God. How many want to see the power of God in your life? I mean, legitimately the power, not things that we say, oh, well, that was the power of God. Yeah, I don't we don't have to make, you know, uh, exceptions for him. When the power of God shows up, you know it. We don't have to talk people into believing, oh, that was the power of God. Now, come on, didn't you feel it? No. When the power of God shows up, stuff happens. But the power always follows the purity. Because because there can't be, you can't have perverted power in the kingdom. God doesn't function in the kingdom on corrupt power. Where's the purity come from? Holy Spirit's in me for me, which makes me pure. Where's the power come from? Power flows from my purity. He's in me for me, but he's on me for others. Why? So that their so that their testimony, so that their faith doesn't rest on words, but on God's demonstration of his power. How many want that in your life? So here's where we're gonna land for today. We're just setting this series up. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. You can turn there if you'd like to. Ephesians 4, verse 30. <coughs> really interesting verse and it says this Ephesians 4.30 do not grieve the Holy Spirit and do not uh, uh, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption grieve what does it mean to grieve Here's what it means. To grieve is to break the law of God in our old nature, by our old nature. In other words, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we disobey and do wrong things. Everyone stay with me, all right? Talking about purity and power. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin by doing wrong things. 
Old Testament definition of sin was when you did the wrong thing. That was the law of sin and death. You do a wrong thing, everyone sees it, because here's a list of wrong things. You did a wrong thing, you sinned, and now death follows the sin. Like, well, you know, Adam and Eve didn't die physically when they sinned. No, but they died in their spirit, man, instantly. Death became part of their life. They had never experienced that before. So in the old nature, we grieved God by sinning, and sin was defined when we did a wrong thing, right? Now here's the, here's the point. He's in me for me produces purity, which means I don't do wrong things. Hello? Okay. Yeah. And, and here's, the, here's the awesome part about it. There isn't a list of wrong things other than the commandments, the few that were un, non-negotiables, right? Don't kill someone, don't have adultery, don't, all that. Those are non-negotiable. But now, I can just, I can play too much video games. And God can say, that's a wrong thing. Come on. Yeah. It's not a sin. It's a wrong thing. And when you do this wrong thing, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It shuts down. Now, Jesus didn't do anything to grieve the Holy Spirit. He walked, as Bill Johnson says perfectly, he walked with the dove in mind on his shoulder. And he walked in a way as not to grieve the dove. Not to cause the dove to want to find a better nesting place. He walked in such a life of purity and obedience of not doing wrong things that the dove rested upon his shoulder and never left. And that's our opportunity. See, not doing wrong things for Jesus wasn't going out and getting wasted and doing drugs and, and having prostitutes. Like, oh yeah, he wouldn't do those things. Not doing wrong things for Jesus was um, when they try to get him off of topic, he wouldn't join in on their topic. Well, Jesus, who, who sinned? And what's the, he wouldn't even answer their question sometimes because a wrong thing for Jesus would be, you set the agenda, and now I'm going to be over here chasing my tail, answering your questions, yeah. instead of doing what God called me to do. So purity sometimes looks like just not getting pulled off sides. Not getting pulled into arguments and, and, and things that don't matter. We've all done it, right? We push the publish button. And we're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have published that. <laughs> oh, I grieved the Holy Spirit. That was wrong. Definitely wrong. Engaged, engaged, engaged with them. A few weeks ago, one of my neighbors, crazy neighbor, he's the crazy neighbor that you, you don't really want your kids hanging out with, right? You're like, I don't know about that guy. He comes to my door and he's agitated and he wants my help for something and and I don't have to help if I don't want to help. <laughs> I have the baby and I have my two boys right here with me and he's got four men that live in his house that can help him in 10 minutes when I get home. So I was like, no, I'm not going to help you. Didn't grieve the Holy Spirit. I was just in control of my life, right? Just got home from work. But then I did grieve the Holy Spirit and I said something to him I shouldn't have said. No curse words. 
no curses, none of that, but I said something to him that would hurt him. And I grieved the Holy Spirit. And, it, and I knew it when I said it. Yeah, come on. It's like that was vindictive. That was, that was below the belt. Have you ever done something like that and you yeah. feel it? Yeah. Where do you feel it when that happens? In your top of your stomach, the bottom of your rib cage, right in that solar plex area. That's the Holy Spirit. He's grieved when we do wrong things. Now, what I did wasn't on the sin list. It wasn't on the commandments to do and not do list. But I grieved him by doing a wrong thing. So we grieve the Holy Spirit when we do wrong things. And the solution to that is repentance and to kill my flesh. Come on. We want purity. It requires repentance, which is not, oh, forgive me, God. That is not repentance. That's weak. We bring that to God and he swats it. Get that out of here. No, 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 not today. <laughs> it's weak stuff. He does not want our, oh, I'm so sorry for doing No. He says, Jesus told, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, the words that you say, you better bring some fruit to back up. You're feeling bad about this. And do something else in its place. So repentance for doing wrong things is crucifying my flesh. Amen. Now, you know me for a long time. When's, when's the last time we did a fast? People that are around me. Oh, fast of any kind? <laughs> We're going to be doing a fast very soon for this reason. We have become so full of good things. So full, and they're all good. Oh, I love my boys playing baseball. I love my boys playing soccer. Oh, I love all this stuff. They're all good things. But, but what happens over time is they begin to steal life from us. And all of a sudden, all these good things that we've been added to our life has started to cause me to die inside. And I'm like, oh, I'm just not satisfied. Nothing. Well, why aren't you satisfied? Everything's going well for you. Because sometimes all these good things can't satisfy. But when we get to that place, we need to fast. We need to deprive our flesh. Because we need him. More than all these things. And he's the one that gives them to us. But when they get out of control, when they're not taken and not managed and stewarded and they don't stay in their lanes, they get bloated and they eat up the life inside of us. So they may not be on the list of wrong things, but we need to stop and empty ourselves again. Amen. So we do wrong things. When we do wrong things, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. But first Thessalonians five, and we're closing with this one. First Thessalonians five, verse 19. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. So the first one said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Which is when we do wrong things. This verse says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Two completely different things. To quench. So grieving was breaking the law in our old nature and doing a wrong thing. Quenching the Spirit is when in our new nature, we don't do the good we know to do. Big difference. Old Testament sin. You do wrong things. They're on the list. There's penalty that comes with them. 
New covenant, the new definition of sin in the new covenant isn't when you isn't doing wrong things. The Bible says clearly that sin, anyone who knows the good they should do and they don't do it, sin. Why? Because my new nature is not trapped in a performance nature. My new nature is not trying to not do a wrong thing. See, that's, that's a defensive lifestyle. If, if we all decided to try to do Christianity by just trying not to sin, that's, that's when you get the cults that go hide up in the mountains somewhere and they turn off all technology and everything's evil and bad. It doesn't work. So he gave us a new nature that says, no, 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 no. Don't worry about trying to stop doing wrong things. Just do right things. And if you do the right things you know to do, you won't even have time to do the wrong things. Because you can only do one thing at a time. We like to think we can all multitask and do multiple things at once. But all that happens when we do that is we do everything on a medium, ugly, mediocre scale, right? But we can only do one thing at a time. And so the new nature, he's in me for me, purity. He's on me uh, for others, the power. The new nature is I now do the things that Jesus did and even greater things. And while I'm doing, I don't have to worry about doing wrong things because I'm doing right things and by doing right things I'm not quenching the Holy Spirit you see how many have ever felt like God said go pray for that person how many have not done it anyone ever not done it what does it feel like the same as when I was mean to my neighbor oh man I wish I would have gone and prayed for that person it's the same feeling I get it right here am I the only one you get the same oh I should have given my $20 to that guy I should have but I didn't, God. And now the $20, I'm like, oh, I don't even want anything with it. Because I quenched the Spirit. <laughs> don't grieve Him doing wrong things. But don't quench Him. It's when we don't do the good we know we should do. What's the solution? Do the good you know to do. Do it in the moment. Obedience in the moment is the best obedience. How many, oh, you're supposed to pray for that person right now. Oh, I don't do it right now. And you try to go back at a different time to do it. And there's no grace on it. You're like, well, I'm going to make this happen out of guilt. And they're looking at you like, no, that's not me at all. That was me like a week ago. (laughs) Should have called me a week ago. We could have talked about this. God wants us to do the right thing. Amen. So we have two encounters with the Holy Spirit. One is for us. One is for others. The purity is for me because it is our to our benefit to be pure and holy. It is a command, right? Doesn't the Bible say be holy for I am holy? Like it is a command. It's not a commandment like in the Old Testament where it's doing a wrong thing, but it's a new commandment. I love Jesus' a new commandment I give you. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your mind. That's, a, that's an old one. But I'll give you a new one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Not don't do something. Do something. So here's how we know the Holy Spirit is in us. There's purity and there will be power. 
And here's how we can tune in to where we're at in this process. If I'm, if I've grieved him, I will feel the grief because I did a wrong thing. And I will know that my old nature needs to die. Yeah. I need to take it out behind the shed, tie it up, and kill him. Mm-hmm. Amen. And here's how I know where I'm moving with the spirit. If I quench the spirit, I feel it. I sense it. I didn't do the good. God, I'm going to do the good I know to do. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So why don't you stand with me? See, our life has to be marked with purity and with power. Let me ask you one question. What would the church like look like if she was pure? Now, that is what we're going to look like when it's all yeah. over. That is, and we know that's the truth. This will be a glorious bride, a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle. It was known for her purity. But what would the church look like that's pure but had no power? We need both the purity and the power. So, Father, we come to you right now, and we just ask that you give us open hearts right now in the rest of this time, that you would prepare us for what you have for us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come. Why don't you ask Holy Spirit right now and just invite him to search. Search me, O oh God. Search the deepest part of my spirit. I'm going to ask you to be brave today, all right? How many in here would say, I have grieved the Holy Spirit. I've done a wrong thing. Just raise your hand, all right? Now here's what we got to do. We have to repent for that thing, which means we need to tell God we know what we did. God, we see it. I see what you saw. So right where you're at right now, I'm not going to pray in the mic. I'm going to do my own. And I want you to confess what that thing is that came to mind. And say, God, I confess this wrong thing that I did, and I hate it, and I won't do it again. Come on. Tell Holy Spirit, we're sorry for grieving you. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for grieving you. All right, number two. How many of you would say with me, I have quenched the Holy Spirit. I have not done a good thing I knew to do. Raise your hand again, yeah? We're going to do the same thing. We're going to repent. All right? We're going to repent. Father, forgive us for quenching the Spirit, for quenching the power of your Spirit. I declare we are a new creation. And the old is gone and all things have been made new. We have a new nature. 
And in that new nature, we are attracted to your voice and we're attracted to, to obeying you. Why don't you tell the Lord that in your own words, like, I choose and I long to hear your voice so I can obey. God, I want to be quick to obey your voice. I want to do the good I know to do. That's when we do a thing that's good, but it has no impact. Because it requires purity to power it. So we're going to repent for dead works. What I mean by that is when you do a righteous thing, there should be fruit that comes from it. Because God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So when we're people of purity and we do things that are seeking Him, there should be a reward of fruitfulness that follows it. It's something we should look for. Amen? Am I telling the truth? We should look for the reward, the fruitfulness of our life. And so we're going we're gonna to repent for dead works, good things that just have lost their power. Even religious things we do that seem to just have lost its magic and wonder. So, Father, we come to you right now and we repent. I repent personally. We repent as a church for dead works. We want life and fruitfulness to be marked by the, the actions that we do and the things that we say in our life. We want it to be followed up with power and authority and life, God. I declare that Fire Life Church will be a place of purity and power, that, there, that we will do the works that Jesus did, and it will be fruitful. Now join hands. Father, we come to you. We're praying. We want to pray that God would cause signs and wonders and miracles to follow. Follow us. Come on. We want to see the power. Just pray out loud. Father, we want to see the power and the authority of your word so that people will know that you're alive and that you care, that nothing's impossible for you. We declare right now that Fire Life Church will match its name, God. That we will have the purity, the life, and we will have the power and the fire, God. When we prophesy, things will happen, God. When we speak to shackles to be broken, they will be broken. When we speak to bodies to be made whole, they will be made whole. When we declare marriages to be restored, they will be restored. When we speak to the dead, they will be raised, God. Come on. This is our heritage. This is the family we were born into. We ask that this week, everyone's homework, look for divine appointments. Listen, lean in and listen to the voice of the Spirit. And when He speaks, 
just do it. We we were uh, took the kids out to the golf course Colonial. We were it was an FCA thing we were involved in, and my brother-in-law was trying to get Tyson to ask one of the pros, "Hey, can I hit the ball with your club?" And he was like, "No, I don't want to ask him." And I said, "Boys, this is the truth. Let the old man speak wisdom. You will be, you will regret more things in life that you didn't go for than the things that you did." Yeah, come on. Good. So take risk. What's the worst thing you can say? No. Okay, big deal. He says no. I'm speaking that to you now. Take some risk this week. You're like, well, what yeah. if I mess up? What's the What's the big deal? You mess up, clean it up. No big deal. We're learning. We're all we can. We all make messes. We can clean them up. So how many would say I will take risk? Come on. Come on. I will take risk. We've got to be known for our risk. So Father, thank you for this. And I ask that you would mark our risk with power. If you need prayer for anything specifically, just join us here at the front. You're amazing. You're awesome guests. We ask for a double blessing on you. And uh, don't forget Saturday, ladies, brunch. Bless you guys.